John chapter 3 and verse 16. And that's actually the title of the message this morning, John 3, 16. How many know that verse by heart, John 3, 16? You know, most people, if, I'm talking about unsaved people or even saved people, if they know anything about the Bible, they, knew, they know maybe a few of the Ten Commandments, or they know John 3, 16. They might know, well, uh, thou shalt not steal. Or they know, uh, thou shalt not murder. That's what I know about the Bible. And, uh, but other people, they might, if they know anything, they know John 3, 16. Can we say that verse together this morning? Let's say it together. One, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but of everlasting life. Let's say it once again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This morning I want to minister on that subject of John 3, 16. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, your name is above every other name that's been, ever been mentioned, the name of Jesus. And we love you this morning. We invite your presence here today, Lord. And we ask you, Lord, for your anointing to minister and your anointing to receive. We ask you, God, for that liberty and freedom of the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus, your Holy Spirit would make real yourself and your love and what you've done for us at Calvary. Lord Jesus, make it real today by the power of your Holy Spirit. Quicken us, Lord. Shake us up. Lord, do what's needed to make yourself real. And God, we just ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You know, in the world that we live in today, the love of God is viewed by so many as a weak message for weak people. It's a weak message for weak people. And, you know, if you accept that love of God stuff, uh, at least in the world, the mindset is, well, you're, you're weak. It's, it's for... That's for sissies. The love of God stuff, that's for pansies. It's for wimps. And the devil many times lies to young people with thoughts like that, that you don't accept that love of God stuff. If you're a strong man, if you're a strong woman, you don't need that love of God stuff. The devil will lie to people and lie to young people with the thoughts of don't be a sissy, don't be a wimp, don't accept that stuff. That's a weak message for weak people. But get this, that is a lie from the devil. I said that's a lie from the devil because the love of God is not a weak message just for weak people. It's the strongest message on the face of the earth. It's the most powerful message that has ever existed. That God would love you and I so much that he would sacrificially give his son, his only son, for us who don't deserve it. 
That whoever would believe in him would not have to go to an eternal hell, but could have eternal life. That in itself is the most powerful message on the face of the earth. Yeah, it's for weak people. But that's why God sent his son Jesus, because every single one of us, because of sin, we are weak before God. But God's love was so strong that he gave his son for weak people who couldn't give him anything in return. If you this morning have been lied to by the devil, if you've got that, 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 that stigma about you, you got the thinking in your mind that I don't need that love of God stuff, I don't need that religious stuff, that Jesus stuff. If you're watching by television today and you think in your mind that you don't need that Jesus stuff, that you're too cool for Jesus, then you've been lied to by the devil. Because real men and real women accept the love of God. Nobody, I said nobody, nobody is in a place that they don't need God's love. You see, the devil lies to people in the world, lies to you as young people, and tries to offer you alternatives to the love of God. Relationships, and there's nothing wrong with relationships, but you can accept the lie that a girlfriend or a boyfriend can, can fill that empty void in your heart. It's a lie from the enemy. People accept the lie that drugs and alcohol and the party and the club scene can fill that empty void that's in the heart of every person that only God's love can fill. And they'll accept that lie that the party scene can fill that void. It's a lie from the enemy. Only God's love can fill that empty void in your heart. I'm telling you, I feel it so strong today. I feel it flowing through me. Only God's love can fill that empty void that is in your heart. And if you've come to this camp and you've come with a dryness, even right now, and there's an emptiness that you feel on the inside, some of you may even feel a darkness on the inside. Maybe some of you right now that you still have not accepted Christ into your heart to be your Savior and Lord. Maybe you're watching by television or, living or listening by radio and you have not accepted Christ into your heart to be your Savior and Lord. That darkness that is in your heart only the love of God can take that darkness away. I was talking to a lady a few weeks ago. She was actually cutting my, my hair, and, and she was, I was talking to her about the Lord. And she began to tell me that she was, was Roman Catholic, and I asked her about her relationship with God, and she said, oh, yeah, everything's all right with me. Everything's all right with me and God. I'm a Roman Catholic. You know, I'm picking up, I'm mentioning the Roman Catholics there, but sometimes people who are Pentecostal or Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian or Lutherans can say, yeah, everything's all right with me and God, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Pentecostal, I'm a Lutheran, I'm a Methodist. No, that does not mean everything's all right with you and God. 
Because when God looks down from heaven, he's not looking, where are the Pentecostals or where are the Baptists? Where are mine? No, he's looking for the blood of Jesus. Do you have the blood of Jesus that has washed your sins away? And this sweet lady, she said, yeah, everything's all right with me and God. But then she went on to say that at times when she's alone in her house, that a darkness would come upon her. That a darkness that she would get, she said, I get scared when that comes upon me. I get scared and I begin to fear and I begin to tremble. And I share with her the gospel message and she didn't receive that day, but I pray that one day she will. But get this today, that darkness that you can feel without Jesus, only the love of God can take away that darkness. I want to tell you again, nobody, no matter how tough you may seem, nobody can live and make it right in this world without the love of God. You see, sometimes even the church world, not sometimes, many times, the church world misrepresents the love of God. And they, misrep- they, they, they present the love of God as if it's some kind of social thing. I love you and you love me. We all love each other and we are happy. And then we live, they, misre- they, they, they represent the love of God like it's some kind of communal social thing. Like if we all love each other, everything's all right. But that's a lie from the enemy that takes away the power out of God's love. The power in God's love is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting love. In preparation for today's message, the Lord kept on putting in my spirit a a testimony I heard many years ago, one of the most powerful testimonies in reality I've ever heard in my life. It's the testimony of a man by the name of Nicky Cruz. Some of you might have heard of him before, Nicky Cruz. I want to share it with you quickly this morning. Nicky Cruz was a Puerto Rican born in Puerto Rico in 1938. He was born to parents who were Satanists. When he was born, his parents performed a ceremony over him in which they dedicated his soul to the devil. And they called him, Nikki, they called him the son of Satan. Now I tell you what, I think that all of us, we could share our testimonies and we could say, you know, we've been through some things in life, but I tell you what, I've never heard of something like that before. But he said they dedicated his soul to the devil. They called him a son of Satan. At times, his father would strip Nicky naked as a boy, put him in a room full of pigeons and other birds, and lock him in that room naked for hours as a part of a ceremony to Satan. And when they let him out, he was covered with pigeon dung. Imagine that. At times, his mother would beat him unconscious. And by the time that he was 10, 11, 12 years old, Nicky would say in his own words later on in life, he said that I, I was so, my, my threshold for pain 
physically. Get this, an 11-year-old, 12-year-old little boy, not even a teenager yet. He said, my threshold for pain externally and internally was so high. He said, you could stick a knife in me and it wouldn't even hurt at all. That's how bad I was abused. When he was 15 years old, he went to New York City to live with his uncle. When he went to live with his uncle in New York City in the early 1950s, it was just a few months that he ran away from his uncle. And here he was, just a young boy, a teenage boy, on his own in the streets of New York City. And over the years, get this, New York City has actually gotten better. But in that time, New York City was much, much tougher than it is right now. You go to New York City today, especially Times Square, and it's like Disney World. But it wasn't like that back then. It was a difficult place to live. Violent and drugs was all over the place. And murder and anger. And Nicky Cruz is a 15-year-old boy found himself stealing just to make it, just to live, found himself mugging people, found himself hurting people. And just a few months after that, he found a gang by the name of the Mau Mau's. At that time, it was one of the most feared gangs in, in New York City, one of the most feared gangs in all of New York City, an Hispanic, Hispanic gang. He joined them. And to join the Mau Mau's at that time, I don't even know if they exist today, but to join them, the initiation ceremony was that all the gang would beat on you. Everyone would take their shot, not just once or twice, but they would beat on you, the whole gang. And Nicky Cruz went through the initiation ceremony and it left him paralyzed for 10 days. Again, I've been through some stuff, but nothing like that. You've been through some stuff, but nothing like that. He was full of anger and hatred on the inside. Full of anger. He wanted everyone to feel the same pain that he felt as a boy growing up when his mother would beat him unconscious. He wanted people to feel that same pain that same agony that he felt, he was full of anger, full of rage on the inside. Well, he went through that 10-day period in the, 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 the Mau Mau gang. They realized that, hey, this is a tough dude, so they accepted him into the ranks. And it was just a short period of time, I think about six months, that he rose so quickly in that gang that they accepted him as their warlord, they called it, the head of the gang, the warlord of the Mau Mau's, one of the most feared people uh, in, in all of New York City in the mid-1960s, in the mid-1950s it is. The warlord of the Mau Mau's. He was full of anger, full of hate. He was a, he was a drug addict. But in 1958, God sent a young country preacher from Pennsylvania and he was a white honky of a preacher. Country, white, had no experience in the city at all. But God spoke to this young preacher's heart and he said, I want you to go and preach in the streets in New York City. And so he went. And this young white preacher began to preach on the street corners in some of the most difficult places in New York City. And one day as this young preacher was preaching, Nicky Cruz came across him and heard him preaching the gospel. It was the first time that Nicky Cruz had ever heard the gospel message. 
You know what that young preacher was preaching that one day when Nikki Cruz heard him? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his what? His only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but of everlasting life. And that young country preacher stood in that street corner and said, God loves you and he will always love you. Nikki Cruz heard that that day and full of rage and full of anger and full of drugs, he walked up to that young preacher and said, preacher, you better shut your mouth and actually slapped the young preacher across the face and said, you keep preaching and I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut you from head to toe. Now get this, Nikki Cruz was the person who would do it. He had no fear of killing anyone. Actually, he wanted to, he enjoyed hurting people. Well, the young preacher that day, he stopped for the moment. He left. And he asked some people, who was that guy who just threatened to kill me? Who was he? And the people said, you don't know who that is? Apparently, you are definitely not from New York City. He said, that is Nikki Cruz the warlord of the Mau Mau's. The young preacher said, the Mau Mau's? Who the, what's, the, what's the Mau Mau's? And they explained to him who the Mau Mau's were. And he got a quick lesson in New York City life in the late 1950s. But you know, instead of that young preacher running home to Pennsylvania scared because, oh, my life was threatened and trying to create some kind of testimony about himself, the Lord spoke to his heart and he said, I want you to stay here and get this. Later that afternoon, that young country preacher found out where Nicky Cruz lived, where his headquarters was, knocked on his door and said, and he knew his name by now, I said, Nicky, God sent me to tell you that he loves you and that he will always love you. Nikki Cruz said, you are absolutely crazy. You are nuts. You, preacher, you have lost it. He slapped the young preacher in the face again and said, preacher, he held up his knife to him. He said, preacher, I told you, if you don't shut your mouth, I'm going to cut you from head to toe. I'm going to kill you. And Nikki Cruz, full of rage and full of anger, he looked into that preacher's eyes and said, I'm going to, preacher, I'm going to cut you into a thousand pieces. And that young preacher, it had to be the boldness of the Holy Spirit that rose up within him without fear, not with a cocky attitude, but with the love of God, he said, Nikki. I told you, God told me to come to tell you that he loves you and he will always love you. And Nikki, if you cut me into a thousand pieces, every thousand piece will still say, I love you. I love you. Nikki Cruz slammed that door shut 
thinking that preacher's nuts, he's crazy. I'll let him go today. I'll just let him go. It was a miracle that Nikki Cruz didn't kill him at that very moment. Because that preacher was not on the street corner. He was in front of Nikki Cruz's front door. Well, two weeks went by. In that two-week period, the presence of God began to work in Nikki Cruz's heart. He had never experienced the love of God before in his life. Never. He had never known love at all. He had never known love from his mother and father. He had never known love from a friend, never known it before in his life. All he knew was anger and hate and actually Satanism and drugs. That's all he knew. But the first time in his life, something began to work on the inside. Something began to work on the inside. Those words kept on coming back to him. He had dreams of that preacher looking him right in the face saying, God loves you and he will always love you. He couldn't shake it. The devil tried to steal that seed that the Holy Spirit had placed there. The, Holy, uh, the, the devil began to, through that two-week period, began to torment in his dreams. Things happened in his gang in that two-week period. His best friend in the Mau Mau gang got killed by a rival gang. And his best friend died bleeding in Nicky Cruz's arms. And Nicky Cruz committed that day that he was going to kill that whole rival gang. They're gone. They're done. It's over. It's over. They're dead. Well, a two-week period, that young preacher had rented a theater to hold a rally. And he invited, this young preacher invited the Mau Maus. He invited the rival gang. He invited all who would come, but especially the Mau Maus and the rival gang. He said, come, I'm holding a rally. I want you to come to this theater on such and such street. And they came, and Nicky Cruz thought, you know what, this preacher is crazy. He's nuts. He's a, he's a lunatic. I'm going to come, but you know what, I'm going to use it. When we get to that theater, there ain't going to be no preaching that day. Once and for all, I'm going to finish the preacher, and once and for all, I'm going to finish this rival gang. And they came, the Mau Maus, the rival gang, came to that theater. But surprisingly, when they came to that theater, instead of a riot breaking out, when Nikki and the other gang members and the, and the other rival gang, when they walked into that theater, there was a calmness that was there. There was a, there was a calmness that was there that even surprised Nikki. It even surprised the warlord of the other gang. It surprised them. And they came in. They began to shout at each other across the aisle. And the young preacher calmed them down. And, and again, there was such a calmness in that, in that auditorium that day. And the young preacher, they even there was such a calmness, the young preacher invited Nikki Cruz and the other warlord of the other gang to come and actually take up the offering. Now... <laughs> I tell you what, I've seen, I've seen good offerings, but can you imagine that offering that day? Nicky Cruz, you could tell the, the knife is there. Everybody knows who he is. I said, hey, take, take, put some money in. Oh, you ain't going to put some money in? Well, you better put some money in. I tell you what, that was a good offering. That was a good offering. <laughs> the young preacher preached the same thing. He preached the simple gospel message. 
in that auditorium that day, at the end of that service, at the end of that rally that they had, he gave an altar call for those to accept Jesus Christ. Again, he preached on that day, that young preacher, he preached Christ and him crucified. He didn't preach some watered down social I love you, you love me, we all love each other and we are happy. He didn't preach that. He didn't preach that well, everything's all good and, and if you just, and Jesus will make you a better. No, he didn't say that. He, he said Jesus died on the cross for you. He was a real man. And he made the choice to die for you. Because he loved you. Jesus had or was a real man, had real love. And he died for you in your place so you wouldn't have to die in hell. Nikki Cruz and the other gang members, they knew everything about death. They knew what death was. They didn't know what hell was, of course, the reality of it. But they, they knew death because they had killed people, many people before. And that day at that altar call, that young preacher gave the altar call, Nikki Cruz, to the surprise of the whole gang and to the, surpri and to the surprise of the, other, of the other gang members, he stepped forward and said, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. <laughs> I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. And one of the most feared people in New York City of that day got down on one knee and gave his life to Jesus. And in his own words, Nicky said, what God did is he poured his love into my soul. And for the first time, I experienced the love of God. For the first time in my life, a tough man, full of hatred, full of the devil, full of drugs, full of anger. For the first time, I recognized and felt God's love. And Nicky Cruz said that God gave him a big hug. And I know that sounds childish. But Jesus said, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you have to become like a little child. Today, if you seem, if you feel about yourself that you're too big for that, that you're too cool for that, you've accepted a lie from the enemy. Because if Nikki Cruz, a man full of hatred and full of hate, could get on one knee and accept Jesus Christ and have God change his life. That was when he was in his late teens, early 20s. He said the life expectancy of a person living in that gang life was at the most 20 years. Today he's 72 years old, living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Why? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. I want to give you five quick points before I close this message today as it concerns the love of God. Five quick points about that describe the love of God for us. First of all, the love of God is jealous. I said the love of God is jealous. God is a jealous God. I tell you, he's a jealous God. Jealousy, in the, in the, in the, in the, if you look up in the dictionary, is, a, is an attitude of intolerance 
towards others, toward anyone or anything that would take what is yours. An attitude of intolerance toward anyone or anything that would take what is yours. That's mine, give it back. Now many times jealousy, most of the time jealousy in this world is sinful and it's wrong. But God has a, has a holy jealousy for you. God wants you. I said he wants you. Not with some weak love. Not in some worldly sense. Not in some kind of infatuation. Not some kind of made up Hollywood appearance of love. But a real love, God is jealous for you. And today I pray by the Holy Spirit that you realize that, that God wants you individually. Even though the verse says he loves the world, but get this, even though he sees the world, he sees you. He loves you. He's jealous for you. He wants you. You see, mankind's relationship with God was lost in the Garden of Eden. Man fell and lost his relationship with God. And man became basically a servant of the devil. The devil became man's father. And today, if you don't know Jesus, in reality, the devil is your father, whether you realize it or not. But God loved you so much, and his love was so jealous for you. He wanted you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so he could take you back from the devil, so he could take you back from sin. <laughs> to purchase you with his own blood. He wants you and he doesn't want to share you with anybody or anything. His love is jealous. It's a fiery, red-hot, jealous love for you. The next thing about God's love that describes his love is that God's love is for everyone. God's love is for everyone. For God so loved the what? The world. And the world includes every race. It includes every age. It includes every person and any social status. And includes everyone. Nobody is excluded from the love of God. Nobody. You see, a lie of the devil, a lie of our own flesh, a lie of the world that we live in, is that God is love, yeah, but he loves some more than others. And sometimes we can live, even believers can live by this attitude, attitude, this mindset, if I do a lot of good, God will love me more. If I do a lot of bad, God will love me less. And that mindset is even in, in, in many unsaved people. It's a works-oriented kind of mindset that I do good, I go to church, and God loves me. I don't go to church, and God doesn't love me. That is a lie from the enemy. God loves everyone. And he loves you. He sees the masses. Today, when God looks down from heaven, he sees this crowd. But he sees you individually. 
because the Bible says you are the apple of God's eye. That his thoughts toward you are more than the sand of the sea. That goes beyond human comprehension, how God loves us. You see, the fact that God loves everyone, do you realize that that is the answer to the race problem that's in this country today? The race problem is not getting better, by the way. It's getting worse. And only Jesus is the answer to the race problem. Why? Why is Jesus the answer to the race problem? Because he loves us all the same. We are all equal in the eyes of God. And we know the love of God. I know that he loves me just as much as he loves you. And he loves you just as much as he loves me. We are one in the eyes of God. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter what your skin color is. Doesn't matter if you're poor, if you're rich. We are all one. We're equal. God loves us all the same. You see a lie from the enemy as well is that you, because I did so much. Well, well Bob, you don't understand. I, you don't know what I've done. But no sin, you cannot sin away the love of God. He loves you today, and he will always love you. God's love, number three, is sacrificial. His love is a sacrificial love. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son. The only one that he has, he gave his son for us. A sacrificial love. A sacrificial love. He loved us. Now what's powerful about that is that, number one, Jesus, or God had only one son, Jesus. It's not like he had two sons and he could spare one. That's powerful in and of itself. But number two, and even more importantly importantly than that, is that we could not give anything good to God back in return. It wasn't like we can return back to God or pay God back. Like, geez, God, you gave your son Jesus for me, and no, I can pay you back with something. Here it is. No, we're totally undeserving. The Bible says that we are sinners in the eyes of God, that we, de- that we deserve absolutely nothing. Actually, if we deserve anything, it's hell. That's justice in the eyes of God. But for those who receive the love of God, receive Jesus, they don't get justice, they get mercy. They don't get justice, they get mercy. God's love for you is a sacrificial love. My wife and my two children are here today. I can't even imagine a man or somebody murdering my wife and my daughter. But this is what the love of God is like, in a sense. Someone murders my wife and my daughter in cold blood. The police catch them, they bring them before the judge. He's guilty of the crime, this murderer. He's killed my wife, whom I love. He's killed my daughter, whom I love. My little girl, Sydney, she's daddy's girl. I love her with everything. I love my wife, Sharon. I love my son, Samuel. I can't even imagine a murderer murdering my wife or my daughter 
And that murderer being brought before the judge, and I come in the courtroom as well, and I bring my son. And the judge says to the murderer, I sentence you to death. I give you the death sentence because of the crime that you have done. You're guilty, and your sentence is death. I can't even imagine bringing my son Samuel and my only son Sam. I've only got two kids. My only son Samuel and taking him before the judge and saying, Judge, I know what this murderer has done, but in his place, and my son wants to do this as well, he wants to, my son wants to take the place of this murderer and he will die. He will experience the death sentence in the place of this murderer. I can't even imagine. Nobody can imagine that. But that's exactly what God did a million, a million times over for you and I. You and I are guilty of the crimes. We are guilty of offending God. We are murderers in our own heart. We are thieves in our own heart. We are criminals spiritually. But God said instead of sending you to hell, this is what I'll do. I will send my son Jesus to die in your place to take your sentence that was rightfully yours. And if you just believe, you receive his life and he will die in your place. He died sacrificially. Number four, real quickly, his love is unconditional. It's unconditional. His love is unconditional, no strings attached. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son. You see, Jesus, his love of God was a free gift for us that we don't deserve. It was a free gift, totally free. You and I can pay for it. You and I don't deserve it. We deserve it. actually the opposite, unconditional love. Unconditional. Here, I, here it is. Here is my love. No strings attached. Here it is. You can't pay me back. You can't do anything to deserve it. Here it is. I love you. Totally unconditional. And last of all, his love it saves. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but of everlasting life. I know that this message is simple today, but if you don't accept, as a believer, if you don't accept the love of God, in reality, you can't really grow in the Lord like you should. And if you don't know Jesus today, if you don't accept his love, then you can never be saved. Because his love, it saves. It saves the sinner from their sin. And it saves the, it saves the saint from their, their, in, their, their inability to save or sanctify themselves. The love of God, it saves it saves the sinner and it sanctifies the saint. His love does. His love that is jealous. His love that's for everyone. His love that's sacrificial. His love that's unconditional. His love saves. And there is no sin 
that can separate us from God for the person who just simply comes, as John 3, 16 says, and just simply believes. There's one thing that God requires. There's one thing that God's looking for to you, to, for anyone to experience his love. And that's exactly what John 3, 16 says. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God today is not looking for you to jump through a bunch of hoops. He's not looking for you to join somebody's church. He's not looking for you to give a $1,000 gift. He's just looking for you simply to come and believe and receive. Today, you stand to your feet as the musicians and singers could come back. The love of God is the most powerful message on the face of the earth. It's a strong message for weak people. I say, when I say weak, I mean people who acknowledge that they don't have it in themselves. They acknowledge that they can't make it on their own. They acknowledge that they're not too cool. They're not too strong. They're not too tough to receive the love that God from heaven gave us. I believe in these last days that God wants to raise up a generation of young people, of older people, but for you today, young people, who will know the love of God and to know the power of his love. Again, that's a lie from the enemy. It's not just in the world, it's a lie that's even in the church. It causes even believers to think, well, well, that's, that's weak. Be strong, preach something else. Don't do something, no, the, the love of God, that's, that's, no, no. The love of God is what sent God or what caused God to give his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross. That's love that goes beyond our human comprehension. It's unconditional, it's sacrificial, it's for everyone, it's jealous. And when you today accept the love of God that he has for you, that caused God to give his own son to die in your place, that love will change your life. You said, I said his, his love was jealous, his love was for everyone. His love was sacrificial, his love was unconditional, his love saves. Anybody know what that spells? It spells Jesus. Jesus is the love of God. And today, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed for just a, a few minutes here, I don't want to pass up this moment no one looking around, even though we're in Friday morning of youth camp, we've already gone through two days or a day and a half of youth camp. I'm not too foolish to believe that there's not anyone here or no one listening by radio, watching by television, hasn't made their heart right with God. Today, again, with no one looking around, this is a moment just between you and God. But for some, it's the most important moment in your life. I told you today by God's word 
that he loves you and he will always love you. And some of you here today and some of you watching and listening today, you have been hurt. You've been hurt by people. You've been hurt by the devil. Some of you have been hurt by religion, religious people. And there's no sting like the sting of a religious hurt, a religious wound done in the name of God. But today, if you're hurt on the inside, I want you to know that his love will heal you. His love will restore you. His love will fill you with hope. His love will change your life if you only believe and receive. You haven't sinned enough to, not to receive it. You're not too strong not to receive it. You need today to receive his love. And we're no looking around right here. Is there anyone today that you need to receive his love in your heart? You need to receive Jesus Christ into your heart to be your savior and love. You see, Jesus is love. Is there anyone here today? Raise your hand. You want to receive his love. Come on now. I see you. See, Praise the Lord. You want to receive his love. You want to make sure that your heart is right with God. Come on, anybody else? You want to make sure it's right with God. You're not sure, and you've been hurt, and there's pain in the inside. But today, you want to receive his love. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? For those of you that raise your hands, I, I don't want to embarrass you at all. But I'm going to ask you right now, can you come? Jesus left heaven to die on the cross for you. Can you come? We're not going to embarrass you. Can you come right now? Those of you that raised your hands, can you step forward just like Nikki Cruz did that day? Come on now. Just come on. We're not going to embarrass you. Those of you that raised your hands, I just want you to come. God loves you. I said, God loves you. Hallelujah. God loves you. And I will say to you that came this morning, I, anybody else? Come on, this is not, this is God's program. I will say to you the same thing that that young preacher stood in the face and told Nikki Cruz that day. God loves you. He will always love you. Today, receive his love in the name of Jesus. Today is the best day of your life. Today, we're going to say a prayer. And saying a prayer does not change anything. But believing in your heart changes everything. Today, I'm just going to ask you, can you just lift your hands right now? Just like an empty vessel. Lift up your hands just like an empty vessel all around this place. I'm going to ask you to lift up your hands just like an empty vessel and say, I'm empty, Lord. <laughs> I'm empty of your love. I'm empty. But I need you to fill me with your love today. Today, those of you that are saved, but you've been hurt, and you're hurting on the inside, and you, you are saved but you feel that dryness and emptiness on the inside. Today, receive his love. You may feel empty, but lift your hands right now like an empty vessel and receive his love. 
And I'm going to ask those of you right now that have come forward, those of you that are listening by radio, watching by the internet, and you want to accept Jesus Christ in your heart to be your Savior in love today, you want to receive His love, I'm going to ask you right now, repeat this prayer after me. Repeat these words after me. God, I come before you. God, I come before you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I know that I'm empty. I know that I'm empty. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I've been hurt. Lord, I've been hurt. I've been hurt by sin. I've been hurt by sin. But right now. But right now. I receive you. I receive you. I believe you. I believe you. That you died on the cross. That you died on the cross. To fill me with your love. To fill me with your love. To save me from my sin. To save me from my sin. And to change my life. And to change my life. Right now. Right now. I believe. I believe. With all my heart. With all my heart. That you rose from the dead. That you rose from the dead. Three days later. Three days later. And right now. And right now. You are my Savior. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. You are my Lord. I receive your love. I receive your love. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I am your child. I am your child. Hallelujah. Now give him praise. Give him praise. Oh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh. Devil, you lost. Devil, you lost. Can you say those words for me right now? Just say it. Devil, you lost. I said, devil, you lost. And Jesus, you win. You won my heart. Hallelujah. Oh, the Lord is good. You know what? This altar call is not over. Because I believe that there are some here today. You love the Lord and you're on your way to heaven. But you've been hurt. Some of you have been hurt by relationships. You've been hurt by religion, and there's a dryness there. There's an emptiness there. I'm going to ask you to come right now. I'm going to ask you to fill these altars right now, right behind these that have come. Once you come right now, in the name of Jesus.